You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome. Uh, happy Thursday, happy day before Friday here. I am Jason Whitlock and you are watching Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Thank you for joining me. We have an awesome, a fantastic, a terrific, an enormous, uh, gargantuan, spectacular show uh, planned for you today. Uh, TJ Moe and Shamika Michelle are still here in studio with me here in Nashville. That is always nice. We're gonna talk today quite a bit about um, transgender athletes and Leah Thomas and TJ and Shamika will join me for that. A little uh, later in the show, Royce White and Steve Kim uh, will also join us. Steve Kim's gonna help us talk about Leah Thomas and. Uh, what's going on with the transgender athletes. OutKick has come out with an article uh, with some new perspective from Leah Thomas, the University of Penn transgender swimmer, uh, their perspective of what's going on. And then Royce White, uh, the former NBA player, first round draft pick, uh, will be here to talk about uh, the Golden State Warriors, partial owner, minority owner, who finally told the truth about what the NBA actually thinks about China and human rights abuses in China as it relates to the Uyghurs. Uh, Royce White's gonna have some interesting things to say about that, as will I. Uh, but we're gonna start the show, actually, uh, with an interview with a Christopher Tremole, or Tremolia, uh, who writes for the Washington Examiner, among other places. Uh, Christopher uh, went to the University of Penn and last week wrote a story about some of the University of Penn female swimmers and their reaction to Leah Thomas's involvement in women's swimming. Leah Thomas, I think, was born William Thomas before transitioning um, and was an original member of the uh, Penn's men's swim team, swim team, and now is a threat to break all kinds of records in women's swimming. And the Washington Examiner and OutKick have kind of been all over this story and giving a voice uh, to the female athletes on that swim team who have been impacted by Leah Thomas' uh, arrival on the team and arrival in Ivy League sports. And so we, I wanted to kind of start there with a foundation and then we're gonna open it up to uh, a conversation and some analysis and opinion from myself, TJ Moe and Shamika Michelle. Uh, but let's first uh, bring in Christopher Tremolia uh, from the Washington Examiner. Chris, uh, welcome to the show. And I guess now understanding that you went to the University of Penn, I guess that explains why you've been able to get some of these young ladies to talk to you about what's going on with the swim team. Yeah, actually, I graduated at the University of Pennsylvania in uh, December 2020. And believe it or not, I actually sat next to 
William Thomas in one of my classes um, in fall 2018. So I know William. Well, I wouldn't say I know William. I was a classmate with William, um, but I do never have not had to, did not know any of that was going on with the whole transgender transition uh, to Leah at all. But yeah, so I know some of the reached out to some of the swimmers to get their perspective. As you've covered and as you can imagine, they're not very happy themselves with what's going on. And who can blame them? It's fascinating that you had a class with William Thomas. And so at that time, there was no discussion about him potentially transitioning to being a woman and competing against female athletes. And, and again, I know you said you didn't know him well, but was there anything that raised an eyebrow to you looking back in retrospect? No, nothing at all. Um, I, I didn't know him all that well. We were in a Russian class together. Um, so we did, you know, basically like group exercises and dialogue exercises in that area. But as far as knowing him outside the classroom, I didn't at all. But nothing that would have ever given me an uh, you know, insight or a, a, thing, a thought that this was uh, going to be occurring or in the process of occurring. Because as I cover in my article, the whole uh, announcement that he was, William was going to become Leah and swim on the female team started a couple years prior. It just didn't happen out this year. And that's what one of the swimmers told me. So I, I, I guess that time sort of would have overlapped in which we were in class together, but nothing that I would have ever presumed uh, that this was going to happen or he, he wasn't, he never spoke of anything of, you know, that uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, any of that gender fluid, whatever it's called nowadays, any of that stuff. So um, that was never on an, op an idea that I ever thought was going to possibly happen. So there's a bunch of questions that run through my mind with you being this close to the program and the school, but I, I, I just kind of want to start here because I think I've read that Leah, formerly William, is six foot three. And so, is he significantly bigger, taller, longer than the other other swimmers on the Penn women's team? Well, he's significantly taller than me. I'm six feet tall. Um, and I know that he, I, I didn't know he was six feet three. I figured he was between, you know, six, two and six, four. So that would make sense. Um, the, the swimmer I know, uh, was like five, eight, five, nine. She was a little shorter than me. So, um, definitely there is a height advantage there as well for William. I, and I looked the, uh, the statistics up myself and as far as the male swimmers, the average height is six feet, two inches tall for men and for women, the height is average is out to be five feet, nine inches. So you're talking about a five inch different uh, in height between male and female. That's a huge difference and a huge competitive edge if you're just swimming and you need um, you know as much height and distance as you can, or I guess wingspan or reach, I guess you'd say for probably for swimmers that you could possibly get. Which is why all this like nonsense about you know uh, hormone suppression and treatments and that the NCAA has backed. It just doesn't make any logical sense at all. It doesn't seem to fit with the whole like trusting the science that's been like the mantra in this country for the past couple of years. So none of that really seems to hold any water to it, no pun intended, uh, when it comes to the fact that there's just a, a biological advantage that women cannot compete with insofar as that their height you know, in this particular instance, their height. And then there's also the, you know, the, the bone structure, lung capacity I read, bigger hands, just, just overall in general. So 
if it, if it was as simple as the NCAA and the Ivy League and every woke person has tried to make it be, then why, just you know, from the root of everything, why are there men and women's sports? Why are they separated to begin with? Totally agree. Uh, listen, Penn's an Ivy League school. It's probably, I'm speculating, pretty progressive, pretty left. Are you taking a lot of flack for being a Penn graduate, part of the club, part of the elite group, and, and taking on this issue and taking the other side of this issue uh, than the university, a very progressive university? Are you taking flack from your peers, uh, you know, former students, faculty? Are people upset with you? Actually, I've gotten a fair amount of hate mail, I would say, um, but nothing related to hate mail as far as the University of Pennsylvania, just different like trolls or you know, random comments, uh, people leaving messages on my Facebook page and, and Twitter. Nothing like nothing as bad as, as some of the articles I have in the past. Believe it or not, I've actually gotten a lot of praise and thanks for actually speaking up and, and doing this issue. Um, for women's sports, I have a lot of my female friends who I would even some who I would even identify as left wing and liberal um, have come out and spoke and thanked me and have said that like we appreciate you doing this. I mean, as much as I appreciate the accolades, all the credit goes to the female swimmer who's having the courage to speak out. So I'm just the scribe here writing everything down. She's the one that deserves all the credit. Uh, but as far as the as comments in general, like it, believe it or not, and I was kind of I. Literally thought I was going to get attacked. I know Media Matters did a story um, bashing Fox News and pretty much every right wing. Bro, I think your show might have been on there listed as far as like spending too much time covering this story, um, and and they they referenced my article in it as well. But as far as that, I mean, I was it was kind of a little bit surprised as to how much like hate I have not received on it, and it's been mostly positive as far as like bringing awareness to the situation, which, like I said, I can't emphasize enough. The credit belongs to the uh, swimmer speaking out here. All right. Your stories and stories I've seen on OutKick are creating the impression with me that all the girls on the swim team are pretty either upset, irate, or at least frustrated by what's going on with Leah Thomas. But are there some ladies on this team that are in full support and, and feel like you, me, and others are the bad guys? To my knowledge, and everything I've done as far as interviewing, the overwhelming majority are not in favor and kind of resented and are frustrated and angry. Um, I believe I was told she might have one or two female uh, friends on the team. But, I mean, there's also one thing that the swimmer emphasized is that they have to train together. Um, Penn came to them and said that Leah's swimming with them was going to be a non-negotiable. So it was going to happen regardless. And they had, you know, they could, they were provided with uh, counselors that they could possibly talk to if they were upset. But in, it, even with that, the counselors weren't going to be able to do anything. And from what I also understand, the coach's hands were tied as well. So... As far as the, the, the environment and the atmosphere, it's the, to my knowledge, the, a lot of the women are upset. Um, I know that they said that some of the, I was speaking to about my source, and she said that had she known this was going to happen during her time here, she isn't exactly sure 
that she would have gone through and committed to going to the University of Pennsylvania. She said she loves the school, loves her teammates, loves her coach, praised her coach for making her a better swimmer. But she also said that in hindsight, had she known this was going to go on, she's not sure that she would have uh, actually committed. So I think that's indicative of pretty much the sentiment of the female swimmers of what's going on because I mean, I, I, athletes in, in college, you know, they're recruited in their high school years to go to the school. And I think if I recall correctly, it's usually our junior year when they kind of uh, do most of the uh, linking up between, you know, applying for school and, and, and getting into it. So th just put, putting yourself in that position and putting myself in that position, I just can't imagine. It's basically a bait and switch. You're told you can have free and, you know, a fair competition among fellow women and then boom, out of nowhere, uh, you're stuck competing against a man. And so I, I, obviously there's not the, the, a lot of happiness um, and uh, there is tension. The problem is there's, they're not really, they can say much about it because they, there is an atmosphere as you well covered as far as being on the Ivy League and the leftist uh, campus um, that is pretty much, you, if you speak out about it, and my source covered this as well, she said, if you speak out about it, you're pretty much just going to be called a transphobe or uh, yeah, whatever, a transphobic, transphobic comments, transphobia, and all those uh, negative comments. But in reality, it has nothing to do with that. It just basically has to do with like, this is not what they were promised. This is the, the opportunities that are being taken away from them. Um, and it's just, they feel very like, you know, it's just not fair. And I can't blame them because it's not fair. Outkick wrote a story, I believe, yesterday that there's a belief among some of the teammates that Leah colluded with a transgender uh, female that went to male or boy. Yeah, that in went the process to, of going. I, to, I, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I colluded, actually talked to. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off yet. No, no, you, you, that there was collusion and that Leah allowed Isaac, or and I can't think of Isaac's name now because I think it's a female name but colluded and allowed him to win. Do, do you believe that? Have you heard that speculation from your sources? I actually asked uh, my source that as well, because it just seemed too coincidental that just as, you know, the male to female Leah Thomas was going against the female to male Isaac, how that would happen. And, and, and a lot of the times people were making the argument when the story about Leah first broke that, oh, it makes no difference. You know, there, there's hormone suppression, clears everything. There's no difference. So when I posed that to her, she, she, I mean, she said basically what Alkic reported. I didn't put that and publish that in my story because it just, I didn't want it to take away from what was going on with uh, the females and the female environment of how they were being kind of oppressed and, you know, repressed for being uh, females in the swimmers. So, and plus it's also kind of one of those, you can't really prove it happened. So I didn't want to you know, dive into that. And, th and then this be kind of the whole narrative shift away from these women are losing opportunities to hear you just have bitter people making things up that they can't prove. So I didn't put that in any of my information, but I did cover it. And there is a, a, a prevailing thought that that is indeed what happened. Is it who knows? Um, she did say that they were friends. That I think she said that, if I recall correctly, they uh, Leah asked to swim so she could compete, or so Leah could compete against Isaac. Um, again, I, but the, the thing I just didn't like is like you you really can't know for sure unless you you know talk to them and they confirmed it. There were substantially time differences um, in th this that particular meet, so 
there would be a lot of evidence to back up those claims. Um, again, I, I don't know enough about swimming or being a male transitioning to a female and vice versa myself to make those uh, comparisons. So, but yeah, no, that was definitely covered in, um, in our discussion as well. So do we have any idea what her former male swimming teammates think about her decision to compete against women? You know what? No, um, I didn't know. Actually, the only male swimmer I knew when I was at Penn was William Thomas. And like I said, I don't want to say I knew him that we were in a, a friendly way. I just knew he sat next to me and had, I think, like a swim shirt or a swim bag. Um, so that's how I knew. And we like briefly talked about swimming because we were, I remember we were learning incidentally the verb to swim in Russian. And we kind of had like a brief conversation about that at the time. So, um, but yeah, no, that's, I don't know of any, uh, unfortunately any male swimmer or what they feel about that. The only thing that I kind of have, well, this is not really related, but I know that, um, I covered this in my article, the female swimmer that my source she said that um, a year or so ago, or, or before Leah actually became Leah and performed on the um, women's team, there was a like a, a dinner they go to and they're training. They go to like Florida for training over winter break, and um, my source told me that this and this this I'm sorry, let me preface this with some more. This dinner is like funded by alumni. It's supposed to be like a really big deal. It's not just like you know you're going to like you know Chick Fil A or anything. It's like a big catered deal funded by alumni. So, and they have separate um, dinners for the men's team and then the women's team. And, and my source told me that Leah went and had dinner with the men's team, but then also had dinner with the women's team. And there was kind of resentment is like, well, hold on. If you're claiming that you're, you're, you're so much trying to find yourself and being you know, in tune with yourself and you're really a woman, then why are you having dinner with the men's team? And if you just want to have you know dinner with your friends who you know for the three years, that's understandable. But then why come back and have dinner with the swim team? So there seems to be like I don't know if it's entitlement or just like weird bad poor decision making or, or self centeredness that that kind of like draw also things like that have also drawn um, um ire and, and made people uh, angry and, and frustrated as well. So. It would be interesting to see, though, what the, the men feel as well. Is is this her only year of competing? Does she have remaining eligibility? Does he have remaining eligibility? Will he be back next year? I believe this is Leah's last year. Um, William swam for three years um, on the men's team. I don't know if this is like college football when you can redshirt and then get in a, a couple of years of NCAA eligibility, or maybe they give extra years of NCAA eligibility because William is now Leah. I have no idea, but I, I'm pretty certain um, that this is Leah's final year swimming. Hmm. Well, she calls herself the Jackie Robinson of swimming. Yeah. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I, call I her wholeheartedly the disagree. <laughs> yeah, the William Thomas of William of women swimming, I think is what I would call her. Uh, but hey, Chris, uh, thank you so much for the time. Please keep reporting on this story. I hope more women uh, have the courage to speak out. Uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner has even gone on the record that Man. she thinks this is inappropriate. And and and, and I really that's where I kind of stand on this. It. Like, hey. Bruce Jenner went out, went out and won the decathlon as a man and then later transitioned. 
she should go ahead and finish out her athletic career as a man, and she wants to live the rest of her life uh, as a woman, no, have at it. But don't take this unfair advantage into female sports and, and, and really, just like you've been pointing out, make it unfair for everybody else in the pool just so you can have your little personal happiness. Go over there and compete against men. That's what God gave you the equipment to do. You were doing it at a relatively high level. Ivy League, you know, swimming. I, I certainly couldn't have done it. Uh, so anyway, thank Me you, neither. Chris. I really appreciate it. Uh, keep, keep chopping wood. You're doing a great thing. All right, uh, let me tell you about one of our new sponsors, Keeps. For those of you who are getting older and feeling more sensitive about your hair, maybe you're not as lucky as me with all this good hair, then I have something great for you thanks to our new friends over at Keeps. Keeps has you covered. It's genius. Keeps offers doctor-recommended, clinically proven, research-backed treatments to stop your hair loss and improve hair growth. Keeps physicians will help you select the right products and treatments for your specific condition and hair goals. At Keeps, treatment plans are delivered straight to your door at about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. With Keeps, you get quality, expert care without visiting a doctor's office or pharmacy. Whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of your hair, you have Keeps. Keeps has you covered. Hair loss stops with Keeps. To get 50% off your first order, go to keeps.com slash fearless. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash fearless. Get you some Keeps. Support a sponsor who is supporting you. All right, when we come back, I'm going to invite uh, the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim, Shamika Michelle, and TJ Moe into the conversation. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's continue the conversation about uh, Leah Thomas. We're going to be joined by uh, Steve Kim out in Los Angeles, uh, Shamika Michelle, TJ Moe in studio here with me. Uh, Steve, I want to uh, congratulate ESPN. They finally joined the conversation. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but they published a story yesterday about transgender athletes and how the NCAA basically is going to let the individual sports make up their own minds on how to handle this. And so that gave ESPN the excuse to write about it and to mention what was going on with Leah Thomas. I don't know if you saw, it's an ESPNW writer by the name of Katie Baker, who is also a transgender person. Uh, I'm not sure what her name was previously, but. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay between the white lines and not say anything. Uh, but the, her name now is Katie Baker. And I, I just want to start here, Steve, with you, just because, you know, you're my resident ESPN uh, critic. You're my, I'm Bonnie, you're Clyde, or you're Clyde, I'm Bonnie. It wasn't Bonnie, was it the girl? You're Bonnie, I'm Clyde. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to start here. Do, do you think a transgender person is perhaps too invested in the topic to be the lead news reporter on a story like this? 
Well, first of all, what a beautiful panel on the four boxes. We got the Rainbow Coalition going on here. This Now, this is diversity and inclusion <laughs> on the fearless. I, I feel this is a – look at all the demographics. Oh, my – we're checking every box. Well, okay, so I saw the thing, and this young lady did a fine job of cutting and pasting, it seemed like, the uh, press release. You know, you can make an argument that she has the most knowledge of this and perhaps being – invested into the story gives you greater knowledge because let's be honest about this jason we've talked about this for a couple of months that no one wanted to touch this hot potato because maybe it's out of ignorance maybe they didn't want the blowback they didn't want any of the heat and my question to her would be what took you so long and were you kept from writing about the story if you wanted to what i find really interesting is that Michael Eves was doing some, he was doing some world-class grandstanding and virtue signaling, talking about how women need more opportunity in sports, and people were like, Leah Thomas. And he kept going and going, and people were like, Leah Thomas. And I'm like, Michael, talk about that, because that plays right into the issue that you're trying to white knight yourself. So um, I guess the floodgates are open, if you will. But I just wonder, though, if this announcement and basically saying, hey, for every sports now, this has become states' rights. You make up your own mind if this is now an open and shut case in terms of a story for most of the mainstream news networks. I'm going to answer the question I asked you. I just, if, if Katie Baker a transgender person is going to be the lead person on this topic. How likely is it going to be that we're going to hear dissenting voices? How aggressively is she trying to track down University of Pennsylvania women swimmers who are objecting to this or other swimmers in the Ivy League who are objecting to this? Or let's say it starts spreading to other sports, uh, which it likely will. It, can Katie Baker, and again, the same question could be asked about uh, black me covering Colin Kaepernick or some racial issue in sports. Am I too invested in it to be objective and go report out the other side? These are all fair questions, and I guess Katie Baker would argue, like, you know, if, if Maria Taylor's, her loan qualification to uh, opine about race is that she's black, then, you know, I'm qualified to, I'm the most qualified person perhaps to talk about this transgender issue because I'm transgender and everybody else must bow and, and, and bow to my wisdom and perspective and opinion. Uh, so I'm throwing that hot potato mm. back at you one more yeah. time. Well, is it fair? Is it the right thing to do? I, look, I would let her give her a shot to say, can you cover this fairly? But I know something from being at the Worldwide Leader. They let you cover as a writer or a journalist what they allow you to. There are many times I wanted to cover certain things, certain subjects, certain topics, and it's either the editor or the deputy editor will either give you the green light or they will kibosh it. And I always got the sense, and perhaps it's more than just my natural base instinct, is that if this story fits our approved agenda, we'll let you. If it doesn't, we simply won't. Because here's what I thought what the problem was with the Leah Thomas story was, is that for so many years you kept saying that women and men are equal athletically, that we're going to champion the cause of Megan Rapinoe and the U.S. World Cup soccer team, 
even though they couldn't beat a teenage club soccer team and come within five or six goals. The problem was, as, as you saw Leah Thomas just dominate and become the modern-day Mark Spitz, it just like it blew away that narrative. And we talked about this a couple of months ago, Jason, as he first burst onto the scene, or excuse me, she burst onto the scene. You're thinking, okay, this has to be some sort of story when you're talking about transgender rights, female sports, and overall competition. ESPNW, they did not cover that story with one single word. And so I think it became very problematic as this athlete, this particular athlete became simply too dominant and really hurt the cause of anyone that says that women and men are actually equal when it comes to athletics. All right, so there is another expert on this topic, Caitlyn Jenner. I believe we have a soundbite from Caitlyn Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, Olympic athlete as Bruce Jenner, now living a life as Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, I don't think Caitlyn Jenner is in support of transitioning females or male to females competing against women. Let's hear from Caitlyn Jenner. Well, first of all, number one, biological boys, I've said from the beginning, should not be playing in women's sports. We need to protect women's sports. Obviously, this is about Leah Thomas, who has brought a lot of attention to, um, uh, to this issue. First of all, I respect her decision to live her life authentically, 100 percent. And but it also comes with responsibility and some integrity. Uh, I don't know why she's doing this. She's uh, for two reasons. One, it's not good for the trans community. I mean, we have a lot of issues in the trans community that are very difficult and very challenging. We have a suicide rate that's nine times higher than the general public. Um, we, uh, but it's also uh, not good for women's sports. It's unfortunate that this is happening. Um, I don't know why she's doing it. She knows when she's swimming, she's beating the competition by two laps. She was born a biological boy. She was raised as a biological boy. Her cardiovascular system is bigger. Her respiratory system is bigger. Um, her hands are bigger. She can swim faster. That's a known. All of this woke world that we're living in right now is not working. Um, I feel sorry for the other athletes uh, that are out there, especially at Penn or anybody she's competing against, because in the woke world, you gotta say, oh my gosh, this is great, and on and on and on. No, it's not. We need to protect women's sports. Yes, uh, Caitlyn Jenner just answered my question. If a transgender person could be objective <laughs> about this, because she, she certainly sounds very objective. Your thoughts, TJ, on Caitlyn Jenner's thoughts? Caitlyn is a, um, is a I, I think, registered Republican in, uh, in California and, and tried yeah. to run in the gubernatorial uh, recall there. So. We, her stance, his stance has been this, the same on this, and, and, and I've actually heard this for a few years, where uh, Kaylin came out and said, look, there are differences. And so I went to go look up some of those differences between men and women, because we had this discussion, and I hate put it being put in the place where it makes guys like you and me feel like we are just telling women they're terrible at everything, because they're telling us we're just as good as you, and we're like, you're really not. But so I would like something to back that up. So on average, 
women have 25% body fat, men are at 15. So we start there. I mean, it's like if you're trying to- I'm an outlier in that, but go ahead. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Men are five inches taller. Men are five inches taller. According to Scott Fairgrave, he wrote a book, Forensic Osteological Analysis. You can determine the biological sex of an adult skeleton by measuring their hips with 95% accuracy. Women in their hips are built for childbirth. They're wider, they're shorter. You and I, while uh, I don't know that either one of us are great at this, are built for locomotion. Truly, we are, Hunter. Always tell them it's the motion in the ocean. There you go. The size of the boat. I've been saying that for years. Our hips are longer and and they are built specifically for us to run fast because that's what we have have been doing, right? So we have uh, 66% more upper body strength, uh, muscle mass than women, 50% more lower body muscle mass. And then the Atlantic, which I don't know if you've spent much time reading The Atlantic. I have not, but I know they lean uh, pretty heavy to the left. They set out and did some research to say, hey, women are catching up to men, right? And they went and looked up all the world records. They uh, were very disappointed in 2012 when they discovered that women, the world record of women, are 90%, only 90% of what men are. Men, at their top, go 10% lower than that, and that's where the world record of women are across the board. And this was running, skating, swimming, cycling, kayaking, rowing. It's across the board and nearly everything. They were stunned. Guys like you and I were not stunned because we've been paying attention. So the last thing Delano, Delano said this to you a few weeks ago when he was talking about because he said, you know, a high school kid every year will beat the women's world record in, uh, in the 100-meter dash. So Florence Griffith Joyner, 1988, 10.49 100-meter dash, that that is the world record. I looked it up, worldathletics.org. 6,063 men have beaten that time. Mm. So it's like the, there are a ton of men across the world who have beaten the best woman to ever live who set a record that is now 35 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm just naming the stats here. You don't need to listen to me knock down women and say they're not good, they're not. I'm telling you, men, there are 6,000 men who can run faster than the fastest woman that has ever existed. Let's not put them in the same race. Totally, I mean, it makes totally sense to me, but uh, last but not least, let's hear from a lady. <laughs> no, I Although I guess we did hear from Caitlyn Jenner, but let's see. <laughs> Let's hear from an attractive lady. (laughs) I don't know why it's so hard for us to draw the line in the sand on this, because at first glance, there are obvious differences between (laughs) men and women. Secondly, when TJ was running down these biological differences, I think you forgot to say that William has an extra fin. (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to swimming, it's really not fair. And the NCAA Board of Governors chair said that the athlete should compete in an inclusive, fair, safe, and respectful environment. As a parent of a child who played organized basketball from nine years old to through 12th grade, you cannot say inclusive and fair and safe when you're talking about putting females and males in the same competition. I watched boys basketball. I watched my daughter play basketball. They are not the same. So if you would have put her in a game with boys, even at the same age, it would not have been a safe environment for her. So I don't know why everyone is tiptoeing around this. Men and women are different and it's okay. But you can't say that it's inclusive and fair, safe, 
and respectful. That's just disrespectful to even put young girls or girls period, women period, in the same type of arena with a man. It's not gonna be safe. Is there any way to get this toothpaste back in the bottle? I mean, are, we're having the discussion, and I think most people agree with our point of view, but is there any way, will we ever go back to normal, or is this just a, a lost cause and we're just arguing about something that's irrelevant? Men who feel like women and take a few supplements and perhaps go through some surgery are going to be allowed to compete against girls and women. There was a uh, gal poll. Go ahead. Go ahead, TJ. Oh, yes, Steve. No, go ahead, TJ. Well, I, oh, I, I, was just, I, I spoke to. Go ahead, TJ. <laughs> make up yeah, your TJ mind, Jim. TJ, it's you. Take the ball. Take the ball. I'm waiting. Here. Okay, okay. Delano, I spoke to Delano on Tuesday about this. There was a Gallup poll. It was done in December of this past year. We're just a month and a half out from this thing. It turns out most people agree with us. 62% of people believe trans athletes should play on the teams that match their birth gender. So there's a ton of people that agree with us. Turns out way more men think this than women, though. 72% of men, only 53% of women. So our problem here is cowardly, cowardly men and over-empathetic women. And this, this is an issue in general. And we talk about women in leadership. If you're always looking to be empathetic towards the outlier, how can you ever make good policy for the, for the whole? I don't think you can. Can't make it for the majority. To, I, 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 Steve, I'm going to get to you next, but I'm going to go to Shamika again because I, I want overly empathetic women and just, oh, let's make everybody happy. And, and now I think we see men joint thinking that, that there's an advantage to that, and that's the superior person leans into empathy and uh, tries to make everything satisfying for everybody. How come you're not, how come you don't have that mindset? Because I'm one of the special women. It's only a few of us. <laughs> but I totally agree, and I've been saying that I feel like women are ruining society because they want to make everybody sissies. What's, you know, just they want everybody to be sweet and loving and kind. And you cannot do that and have a well oiled machine as a society. You just can't do it. And when we talk about the men, when they say they want to test the testosterone of the athletes, we need to test the testosterone of these men making decisions because it really seems as if they are little little boys, little baby boys whose balls haven't dropped. Because how can you just not put your foot down and put these women in their place, these beta males in their place, and these confused in-betweens, you could get them a whole different circle if you want to, but somebody needs to tell them this is foolishness and we cannot continue to go on like this. So I totally agree. Women are ruining it. Steve, now the floor <laughs> yeah, is yours. <laughs> yeah, a couple things about the toothpaste being put back into the tube. I think well, the ruling is a small step, but as you said, it's gonna take strong leadership to actually say, hey, this is not right. And to make a point here, it is about the hardware. What you're born with is what you are. Uh, for instance, if you take a VCR, and look at my background, trust me, I know a lot about the VCR. I could add a few parts <laughs> on it. It doesn't make it a smartphone. And so it's really that simple. And to go to TJ's point about the disparate numbers at the world-class level, or even the recreational level between males and females, 
Um, there's no doubt that there's a difference, but what I point that I want to make is, and you made this uh, earlier, Jason, about how Caitlyn Jenner made the decision to become a world-class athlete as a male, then decided the rest of her life, hey, I want to live my particular truth. I'm going to transition into being Caitlyn. That is certainly something that I respect. It's not a big deal. Doesn't bother me. But here's the issue to me, and no one's ever brought this up, in my view, is that transitioning into a different sex is your right. Isn't playing sports just really a hard-earned privilege? And, and when you start getting into sports, it is about fair play and letting, and having equal boundaries and a level playing field. Uh, I think we should be allowed to set the line in a certain period of time at sports and to say, hey, listen, you're allowed to transition, but if you do, as a male athlete, you're simply not going to be allowed to play a female sport. I don't understand why that is such a hard decision to actually come down on. I don't understand why people, other than we've just gone overboard, and maybe maybe it's what I like about women as well, in term, because, and I'm gonna crack a joke, but I'm actually trying to somewhat be serious. serious. I feel like Idris Elba or Denzel Washington most days. I feel like that. Most people don't treat me like that, and I accept that and deal with it. However, I have been able to convince a few women that I am Idris Elva or Denzel Washington, and, and they fall for the gimmick, at least for a time period, a year or two, maybe three. Five. I had one fall for it for five years. Uh, and so I guess I like that about women, that they can be convinced of almost anything, that I'm Denzel Washington. Uh, and that I guess, you know, if someone feels like they're a woman, that they, they're using women to get the rest of society to go along with that charade. Uh, but but in a, on a more serious, serious note, and I, I am being somewhat serious even with those jokes, we just can't have a society based on feelings. Mm. It just, it will not work because most of us feel a lot of dumb, inaccurate things. I'm sure there were times on the football field, TJ, where you felt like Randy Moss mm. for a brief moment. But that defensive coordinator, <laughs> this ain't Randy Moss. <laughs> he didn't change the coverage because you felt like Randy Moss. It's like, no, this is five foot eleven white guy that runs pretty well, but he ain't Randy Moss. <laughs> no, the only time I was ever three yards ahead of anybody is if they blew a coverage. <laughs> That's the truth of it. You can make an argument here, and I think a strong one, if we if we are to believe our opponent has any uh, IQ that attacking the patriarchy was in order to get women in charge because they knew that they would be easier to manipulate with empathy. And so they could then get what they want by trying to play the victim. Get men out of the way because they don't care too much about our feelings. They, they are gonna look at the facts and they say, I don't feel bad for you. I got, a, I got a show to run or I've got a military to run. I don't feel bad for you. We got stuff to do. Women do feel bad for you, which is why they're unbelievable mothers. You know, I didn't go to my dad when I needed somebody to feel bad for me. I went to my mom and mom was able to, to nurse me back to life. And we got there and when I needed somebody to say, hey son, suck it up, I went to my dad. 
And so there's, there's a place for both, but you could make, I think, a pretty strong argument that you attack the patriarchy specifically to manipulate women who then you have just put, placed in power to get what you want. I think if we continue down this road, there will not be a single record in the next 10 years that will be held on the women's side by a biological woman. I, I agree with TJ because actually, Jason, with your height and being over six feet, you're real swagalicious. You're real smooth, you're debonair, you got the drip in your ears, you know. Let me tell you what, let me tell you something. When you say my height, keep it real. Jason, when you're standing on your W-2s in your bank account, you're about six foot four. Yeah. When I'm sitting behind the wheel of your AMG, you might be six yeah. five, six six. I, you know, I was riding through town like, oh my God. <laughs> All right, uh, let me tell you about another one of our new sponsors, Relief Band. Did you know that one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea? We've all experienced that horrible feeling, whether it's in the back seat of a car, staring at your phone after one too many on, on a night out with friends, or ever just anxiety of a work day. If nausea has ever ruined your day, I've got good news. It's called Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to both quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting. Relief Band is 100% drug free, non-drowsy, and provides all natural long-lasting relief with zero side effects. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been <clears throat> used in hospitals and oncology, and oncology clinics to, re to help those people with those issues. Right now, they've got an exclusive offer just for the Fearless audience. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code FEARLESS, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F, band, B-A-N-D.com and use my promo code FEARLESS for 20% off plus free shipping. And when we come back, Royce White's gonna join the program and we're gonna talk about that Golden State Warriors owner that uh, said he doesn't care about the Uyghurs. I can't say the owner's name, I think the first name is Shama. Uh, this last name is really hard, Palahapatia. Might be right, Palahapatia. Uh, Shama Palahapatia, that's what we're gonna talk about with Royce White. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to Minneapolis and bring in former NBA first round draft pick Royce White, friend of the show, fearless soldier, uh, on a topic that Royce loves to talk about, uh, the human rights abuses in China as it relates to the Uyghurs. And Golden State Warriors minority owner, owns about 10, 15% of the Warriors, Chamath Palahapatia, I believe is his name, uh, made some very interesting, transparent uh, comments about the NBA's position on the Uyghurs and why the NBA is so silent on China. Let's take a look at what Chama said, then uh, we'll bring Royce in and TJ and I'll have a discussion with Royce about it. Let's be honest, nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You, you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's nice that cares? you care. The rest of us don't care. 
I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard. Wait, wait, I'm you're telling you, you a very, personally don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Mm. Uh, I think he articulated what the NBA had been saying very loudly with its silence, with its treatment of Daryl Morey uh, when he was the general manager of the Houston uh, Rockets. Uh, Royce, uh, I'm going to let you get us rolling here. Are you surprised? And, and I do want to add that Chamath did, after catching a bunch of heat, did e issue a weak apology. But uh, Royce, are you surprised that uh, he was this comfortable stating that opinion? It's, it's not surprising at all. Um, you know, some of the other things that he said uh, during the conversation, I think, indicate you know, where his worldview is in terms of uh, social responsibility, if you want to call it. Um, you know, one of the one of the glaring comments was uh, human rights are a luxury belief. And, you know, th there's just a crisis of leadership worldwide. And, and we have to be ever mindful of these 40 uh, year old cosmopolitan, omnisexual, um, you know, atheist billionaires. Uh, th these these people are the corporatocracy. Um, these people are the oligarchs that that want to bring about an authoritarian society. And and, yeah, I'm sure the Uyghurs don't matter to him. Um, the question is, how big are the implications of a statement like that, especially as it pertains to the NBA, which is a representative of a global corporate community? Go ahead and expound on what the implications are. Well, I think the implications become, you know, the, the, the implications from that comment are one thing, but there are other implications from some of the other things he said that I, I feel uh, are even are even more important. You know, one of them was we only are concerned about China for their economic weight and climate change. Well, well, that's just an affirmation of China, really. He's just affirming the CCP. And what he's doing is justifying the continued quid pro quo between the new world order and the CCP. But the really sneaky one, the triple cross here, that you know, that's the double cross. The triple cross here is, well, we are concerned about Taiwan. Well, you're not concerned about Taiwan for the human rights of the Taiwanese people because that's what's already happened to the Uyghurs. They're concerned about the microchips and, and you know, the computer chips there in Taiwan, uh, which explicitly has to do with his industry, his little sliver of this new world order agenda. Um, so all of it is a double cross and a triple cross. But what is clear is that human rights is an afterthought and what we see is promoted as a human rights agenda from a neoliberal globalist machine. Royce, one of the things you said that I think is, is so accurate, it, it's a reflection and it's a mindset of a person who, to me, is an atheist. Uh, and, and once you start, once you don't believe in God, eventually you're going to believe that you are God. And, and, and he gets to decide based on his taste who, who's worthy of human rights, who's not worthy of human rights. And since he's a billionaire, and he feels like, you know, I got enough money to buy my human rights and human rights are a luxury for everyone else. And we get to decide who gets those luxuries. I'm a billionaire out in Northern California. And so we've decided that the LGBTQ community is worthy of human rights. And so he said no one cares about the Uyghurs. 
if the Uyghurs, if something in China was happening in mass to a group of LGBTQ people, he would have an opinion on it. He would think they're worthy of human rights because those are the values reflected in his atheist worldview, in his secular worldview from Northern California. And, and what I find comical, sad, and dangerous are there's a lot of people, LeBron James, but take LeBron out of just normal people that will hear his comments and agree and say, you know what, who don't I really care about the Uyghurs and blah, blah, and they really agree. They have no idea that Chamath Halahipati or whatever his name is, one day he will be talking about them and th they not being worthy of human rights. Th that same bazooka he fired at the Uyghurs, he'll one day turn it just a little bit and these same people that are agreeing with him they're gonna be facing that bazooka. And, and again, that's, I just go back to why faith is important and why this country having a Christian culture was important, is important, and, and we've lost that. And it, to me, what's really frightening is that someone with that much wealth, that much influence, felt that comfortable sitting in America expressing those values, that cult. We used to have a cult where people felt like that, but they would be too afraid to say that out loud. Him saying that out loud lets you know where he thinks the culture is, that it's now okay to feel this way and believe this way. That's what scares me. Well, and I, and I think, you know, you're, you're 100% right. Um, you know, actually, for me, when I heard it, you know, saying that nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs is the equivalent of saying nobody cares what happened to Jews or nobody cares what happened to Negroes. And all three of those comments are, are despicable. They're disgusting. And he said it in front of the right people. And often these people do say those type of comments in front of the right people, because if he had said he nobody cares about the Uyghur genocide in front of me, I'd have slapped the taste out of his mouth because it is like saying nobody cares what happened to the Jews or the Negroes. Um, and, you know, th th there's a lot of there's a lot of geopolitical posturing in what he said. Right. He, he says, well, you know, we need to be more concerned about what's taking place inside our own borders. There, that movement doesn't believe in borders and they certainly don't certainly don't believe in American borders. Uh, you know that he's, he's saying it as a pure deflection to be able to justify their look away from China because China is the ultimate engine that this new world order sees to usher in a complacency with authoritarianism. And, uh, you know, people like LeBron James and many of these fake woke public figures or athletes really don't have a, a good sense of the geopolitical situation in the general in the general sense, which is why everybody which is part of the reason why people have bent the knee uh, to this pro China wave in the first place. Um, but but as I always say, uh, part of them bending the knee also is is they're not looking either. It, it, the responsibility is on each one of us to understand uh, what we've involved ourselves in, what deals we've done, which what, what hands we've shaken uh, on behalf of the person next to her. Am I my brother's keeper? And make no mistake about it. You know, we can talk about all these minority groups, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's women, whether it's black people, uh, Latinos, whoever you want to talk about. The people who are in the firing line right now in our society is Christians. 
So, yeah, that seems clear to me. The next roundup is going to be Christians. Thousand percent agree. I want to go another cut, get your reaction to this. <clears throat> if he had taken the we off and placed it with me, because that's really what he was saying, he, he, Uyghurs, but he really meant to start with a knee. <clears throat> he don't care about those Negers over there in China. Uh, his comments stated publicly for public consumption are 10,000 times worse than what Donald Sterling said to his mistress in private. And they ran Donald Sterling out of the league over some inappropriate comments to his mistress in private related to Magic Johnson and whether or not she had ever tasted the chocolate thunder or whatever. They ran Donald Sterling out of the league over some private comments that weren't nearly, in my opinion, as reprehensible as what this man just said. And there will not be one NBA player who matters, one NBA player who beat his chest and we ran Donald Sterling out of the league and our league is this and that. Adam Silver's not gonna make a move against this guy. And it lets you know what they really think and how they really feel. Donald Sterling was a convenient little target that they wanted to move out. He was an embarrassment to the league for many, many years. And they used that excuse to run him out and make themselves look good. But here's a man standing out in front of the world on a podcast wanting everybody to know, this is how I feel. Human rights are a luxury. And the Negers and the Uyghurs over in China, they ain't worthy. And tomorrow I'm gonna decide on the next group that's not worried, uh, that's not worthy. I, I just, I, I'm just sitting here, the, the NBA, they'll run commercials for the rest of the year about how woke and they're on the right side of history and they're for social justice. But when something real actually happens in their league, crickets. Well, I, I gotta give you a little bit of pushback here about Donald Sterling. I, I agree with you and I understand what you're saying about the fact that there will be a, a deafening silence from the establishment when it comes to these comments, um, especially in terms of any any real substantive action against this this minority owner uh, or any call for the, the majority owners to, to take a position as, as well. Or the NBA take a position now that the the now that the situation there in Zhejiang has been brought right to their doorstep, uh, which, you know, they've been silent this whole time in, in large part. But um, I think under normal circumstances, this type of comment would force them to at least take some type of public position, which I think they'll be slow to do. However, people have to go back and read what Donald Sterling said in those transcripts. I think what Donald Sterling said might have been the most disgusting uh, comment made in the color television era, right? It, and it wasn't about whether or not he liked Magic Johnson because he was black or not. The most damning comments from Donald Sterling were in Israel, the black Jews are treated like dogs. Okay, that was that was the the buried lead in the transcripts. And and when she went to ask him further about his comments and she tried to equate slavery and what black people have been through with what Jewish people have been through uh, in that dialogue between them, he scoffed at her. He said, are you kidding me? There's no comparison to, for what Jewish people have been through and what black people have been through. And she goes, well, you know, like black people have faced oppression, too. And, you know, well, what about the black people in Israel? 
are they less than the white people in Israel? And he said, yeah, 50 percent less. That's all in the transcripts. That's that's 100 percent documented. And I think what's telling about that situation is that it was a buried lead that a mainstream media establishment did not want to bring or shed any light on comments that that asked a bigger question about Jewish supremacy. And we talked about it a week back. Um, and, and they did bury that lead and they manipulated the lead and they made the lead be, well, he doesn't like Magic Johnson or he has a problem with black people being at his game. But that's not what Donald Sterling was saying. What Donald Sterling was doing was telling his side piece that he had a network that was calling him and, and giving him flack about who she chose to associate with in public. And ultimately, when they got in a fight about that conversation, you know, about those things, he came right out and said, hey, even in Israel, black is black, white is white. And even in Israel, amongst Jews, the black Jews are treated like dogs. Now, they got him out as a quid pro quo with the players, such as Chris Paul. So they didn't have to do a full scope investigation, independent investigation into what his comments implicated Around, through the rest of the ownership. That's why they got rid of Donald Sterling. That was a cover for themselves. Them being quiet about Chamath is a quid pro quo with China. So it, it's different, but but both part of the same shady chameleonic politics for sure. Only, don't disagree with your take. Only thing I would say is I can only talk about me, only talk about my father, people I know, in private, some really stupid things get said. In private, and, and, and most human beings are willing to distinguish between, yeah, I may have said some dumb stuff, and I may, because I've been crystal clear with everybody. Uh, when I was in college, I used to get that Farrakhan final call and cassette tape of his latest speech shipment. I got it once a month. You know, I was a subscriber. And, so, I, you know, I had some private conversations. And again, I went to the Million Man March and blah, blah, blah. A lot of things I say, there's a lot of things that people think that they don't believe. And people have a lot of inappropriate thoughts. And again, I, I'm not, I don't want to micro, I, I can only imagine what an old, wealthy, a uh, person like Donald Sterling thought, and those private comments probably are an indication of what he believed and he was sharing an observation, but uh, we all, in my view, I, I know me, said a lot of things in private that, you know, sounded good in the moment. In reality, I knew they were stupid and inappropriate, and luckily, by the grace of God, I've been allowed to evolve and mature, uh, but, but for, to me, for this guy, to be in a public setting, knowing his words are being recorded, knowing they're gonna be disseminated to the public, it, it's a disgrace. TJ, I want you to hop in here and I'm gonna circle back to you, uh, Royce. Well, I love how everybody, um, the, these, these types especially, who wanna call it human rights, and then as soon as you get outside of our own borders, they're not humans anymore. I mean, last we checked, the Uyghurs were still humans. And the, um, in the UK, there was an, the Independent Tribunal came out and they, labeled this a deliberate, systemic, and concerted policy to bring about long-term reduction of Uyghurs and other minority populations. The, the French parliament came out today and called it genocide. So we're getting to the place where people are acknowledging this. Um, 
this was obviously a big part of history when this type of thing were happening uh, with the Holocaust and such. You know, it's, I actually, his, his general premise, I don't have a huge problem with his follow-up. I do because I think he's a huge hypocrite. But the, the general idea that you should get your house together before you try to go fix somebody else's house, I think is a good idea. The problem is, why are you, if you're going to only pick a single issue and tell everybody else they need to care about it, um, and then ignore the issues that other people bring to you, there's not a, a bigger hypocrite. You could, you're riding Black Lives Matter on your court. You're, you're taking t-shirts and giving them out to everybody, I can't breathe t-shirts, right? That is his issue, the issue that he cares most about. There's a lot of terrible things happening in America. Nobody discusses child trafficking at all, and it happened. You go out to Arizona, the Super Bowl every year is like the biggest child trafficking weekend, period. It's a, it's a, they had Super Bowl in Arizona a few years ago, and they were like, look out, do not bring your kids, because someone's gonna try to steal them and sell them into sex slavery. There's a lot of terrible things going on, and even within our own walls. So, so my biggest issue with him is that he has decided that his issue matters and it should matter to you, but other people's issues shouldn't matter to him. They're below his line. I totally agree with that. That's a bit, you can't dictate what some people are passionate about. Uh, you know, people are passionate about issues that impact them personally. I'm passionate about weight loss. TJ's not as passionate about it. It's not his issue. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm one of the reasons why I'm not as passionate about George Floyd as others are is because I don't do drugs. When the police pull me over, I'm as respectful as, as if I'm talking to a minister. I don't anticipate me having the problem George Floyd had with Derek Chauvin because of I don't do drugs and I don't. I comply with what the police say. So I'm just, and so when I hear people that are, maybe Chamath Halliburton, maybe he doesn't comply with uh, police. Maybe he does fentanyl. I, I don't know, but he's passionate about that issue probably because it does him, serves him well over social media and as part of NBA branding. But, but yeah, this whole thing about, hey, the things I'm passionate about, to be a good person, you must be passionate about. And, and TJ, I think, makes an excellent point. Uh, Child trafficking, I'm just, it's worse than what happened to George Floyd. And I'm just, and I know people would disagree with it. Royce, you may disagree with it, but I don't see George Floyd as an innocent victim. I see him as a victim, but not an innocent one. And I see kids caught up in child trafficking. Those are innocent victims. So anyway, Royce, I'm gonna give you the final word. Uh, have at it. Well, yeah, I, I would agree that child trafficking is, is a, a worse situation than George Floyd, number one. But it, it, to, to TJ's point, and obviously I've, I've been public in saying that I'm very in support of a populist movement, of an America first movement uh, going forward, at least until we do get our house in order. But here's the sleight of hand with what Chamath is saying. They don't believe in America first. So his get your own house in order is not a... Uh, a, a call for us to to be America first. What he's trying to do, and, and this is what, what maybe frustrates me the most with that type of comment. See, we, we of course, we have a military industrial complex that has indulged in war profiteering and forever wars for a long time, right? It's not to, but, but that isn't to say that America shouldn't be involved in any geopolitical conflicts or that we should involve ourselves around the world. It's to say that we should involve ourselves around the world for the right reasons at the right times, okay? And, and so 
maybe the freedom of the Uyghurs doesn't rely on us going into China forcibly to remove them, but there's certainly the possibility that we bring down economic stipulations on China to show them that we disagree with the way they have treated the Uyghurs. And Chamath isn't for that at all. His premise, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, the rest of the five eyes, the entire West premise is that we have to deal with China and the excuse that they're making right now is climate change. So he's not worried about America first in any regard when he says we need to take care of our own house because our own house is in shambles. And he's a he's a pro, uh, promulgator of that. He is a part of this pro uh, uh, church, the church of LGBTQ atheist, low moral standard, moral relativism movement. So I, I completely reject his notion uh, that we should be America first, because I know he doesn't really believe in it, he, just like he doesn't believe in America. Royce, I want you to expound because I think you just said something interesting that I want you to clarify for me and the audience because I don't think I've heard that before, and it sounds like it's kind of common knowledge the way you just threw it out there, uh, but you just insinuated they're using climate change as an excuse to play nice with China, and, it's real, and that's part of a shell game that's going on. Oh, because of climate change, we gotta put up with China's bullshit, basically. Oh, of course, well, look, the, 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 the three, headed Cerberus of the neoliberal agenda was one race and I, race identity, right? Those are the one, the first game played. The second game was COVID and the third game is going to be climate, right? It's one that they got started on a, a 10, 10, 20 years ago, <clears throat> but, but the real push for it is going to come to fruition. And the whole excuse with China is it's, it's just, it's absurd in its premise. Number one, we all know that China is the biggest polluter in the entire world, okay, by an order of magnitude more than many other countries combined, okay? And, and there's no way that these bodies that Chamath is saying should be alerting us about the Uyghur genocide are going to be able to bring any real uh, uh, pressure down on China, nor do we, nor do, does it seem that they really want to. They just have a wink and nod that in order for us to maintain our position in the West with this moral virtue signal, we have to tell the people of the West that we're concerned about the climate. And if we're going to do that, we have to say publicly that we're working with China to bring their emissions down. But in reality, in reality, the wink and nod is we know China is going to continue to do what they want because we don't have the backbone to really try and stop them. And we want to ride the economic uh, tidal wave that is the, the new East India Trading Company, which is what China has become. So the climate change thing, it actually is gonna, it's gonna be the next uh, hatchet to get buried on the American people in terms of tyranny. Watch when the carbon tax comes. They wanna do it, they're saying it. They're not, this, this isn't hidden, this is right out in the open. You are gonna become the next danger to the world because you're a carbon-based life form and, and everything that we do needs a, a certain, the lifestyle, the society we built is built on certain energy sources, and it's going to be the way for them to tax you. And it's going to be the way to make the working class and the middle class and the poor people pay for the elitist pipe dream. It's a scam. This guy's a scumbag. And, and the, the scam is, is absolutely right out in the open. They're going to keep finding ways to, pour, to tax poor middle class people for all of their authoritarian pipe dreams where they want to build a new society and pick who gets to come. Royce, good job again. Anytime you make me lean my head back and think, 
You've done a good job. I may not leave this position for the rest of the day. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go. We're going to go to break. Uncle Jimmy's going to be here next, and he'll give us approval rating on uh, Chamath, whatever his last name is. We'll get thoughts on Royce's thoughts and how TJ and Shamika did. Welcome back. Uh, I almost screwed up and forgot to tell you about our new friends Z-Stack. If the last two years have taught us anything, it's that you have to take control of your own health. It's clear that you can't simply rely on the government or Big Pharma to protect you or your family. That's where Z-Stack comes in. Z-Stack is a specifically formulated immune-boosting supplement that includes zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Z-Stack has been scientifically formulated, is kosher and GMP certified, and produced right here in the good old US of A. Now more than ever, you have to take control of your health and your family's health. Go to ZStackLife.com slash fearless and enter the promo code fearless to get 5% off your first order. That's ZStackLife.com slash fearless and use the promo code fearless. Take control of your own health. That's what I've been trying to do. You've seen me losing weight. You've seen me incorporate this vitamin regimen into my life. I've been feeling much better. Z-Stack is a great way for you to join me on a health journey. All right, uh, let's transition into my favorite uh, segment of the show where Jimmy uh, tries to convince me that I didn't do an awesome, fabulous, spectacular job. It's gonna be, I, Jimmy's work's cut out for him today. I was tremendous. I'm sure you agree. Um. Jason, that was the most wonderful and insightful monologue you have ever done today. I see, you got my notes, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I've scripted this segment now. Continue to read. <laughs> uh, don't say nothing else. Oh. <laughs> you know what I gotta say, I I'm gonna be rarely, uh, am I overshadowed? But uh, Shamika, that's the truth. Shamika tried to overshadow me today. Do you know how? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you know how. Yeah, I, I do. Jason, I don't think you saw what Shamika did to you today. I did see it. You, you saw that Sharon Stone thing she did? <laughs> I saw it. You was professional about it. Absolutely. You, you know who saved your show? Who? Your producer back there, Chris. Why? Did you just see what Chris did? Can we roll that tape real quick? Can we see what Shamika did there? Look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. You see Chris throw that up there right there? You see Chris throw that up right there? Good looking, Chris. I, I, I still got child support payments. Good looking. <laughs> Shamika. Oh, my goodness. See, I, honestly, I think Shamika is a Russian plant. Well, oh, okay, I'm thinking about the Russian on, get this uh, on, on uh, the Sopranos. Go ahead. Yeah, I think she's a Russian plant to get this throw overthrown, this show overthrown. Uh, and so that's when she's on set and in Nashville, I just go into a zone. I go into where nothing matters. Doesn't, doesn't matter what she does, what she wears, what she looks like. I'm all good. Jason, uh, 
Shamika adds a completely new meaning to the term working the room. <laughs> Honestly, man, I have a newfound respect for her. And she made me a little nervous yeah. when she was talking about the transition of swimming. She said, that's because he got an extra. And then she said, Finn. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, Shamika scare you when she get going. I, then I thought about it, I'm like, that's probably why he transitioned, because his fin was probably smaller than everybody else's. <laughs> that's all it takes. I would have transitioned. <laughs> Okay, stop, man. <laughs> you know, I love being the punchline of my own joke. But anyway, stop, man. Yeah. Stop. Anyway. Any, uh, you know, anybody else? You got... Uh, I, I like your guy, Chris. What was his name? The first guy? Uh, Chimola. Yeah, Chris. I loved him, man. Uh, what did he say? Bitter people making, making up things that they can't prove? Yeah. I love that. Now, I will say this. Now, I don't know if it was the pressure or what, but you couldn't see how bad he was sweating, could you? I could not see that, and I wish I had because I would have offered him some sweat blocks. Exactly. God, I'm going to tell you, he, this dude was sweating like one of my baby's mamas in Sunday school, man. <laughs> <laughs> one of your baby mamas at a child support hearing? <laughs> well, we know who that one was. <laughs> hey, man, Steve Kim, can we, can we clear the air real quick? What's up? Is, is, it, can we, is it safe to say Steve Kim is the teacher's pet? You, you is it safe to say this? I'm just asking straight up. Let's clear the air, J-Dub. Hey, Jay. Steve Kim's the teacher's pet? Yeah. How can you say that? DJ, how come, how come Steve Kim ain't here? Huh? Shabika here. Delana, why come Steve Kim didn't have to get it? Tickets from Korea can't be that much. <laughs> He's not the teacher. If there's a teacher's pet, it's Shamika that, you know, blew up my plans. Like, you know, I like to be in bed by 5 p.m. And Shamika's like, where are you taking us to dinner? <laughs> now I got to take three or four people to dinner, cost me an arm and a leg, and then I don't get to bed until Look 9 o'clock. Look at the bright side. What? Didn't cost you a fin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey, man, TJ Moe. TJ Moe is the dude that comes in here, man. He's far better. He, he looks far better in person than he does in TV. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. And I, I have come to the conclusion after these couple of days, TJ Moe is the voice of reason for this show. That's He's what he does. I can't, I can't wait for you to start doing your T.J. Moe impersonation because I know you got to be working on one. I, well, I, oh, I do. Because I'm going to tell you something about T.J. Moe you don't know, but I'll tell you later. Oh. Hadley said T.J. Moe got childbearing hips. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he didn't make it in the NFL. <laughs> Hadley taking pot shots behind the scenes. He said... I'll tell you about TJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he couldn't make it. <laughs> that, he like, I've never, I didn't think people smoked in 2021. You know what kills me about him smoking? Uh, you do realize he smokes Cools Unfiltered, right? Yes. No, he would have, he would have fit in at the Masterpiece Lounge. He <laughs> no, he bites the filter off. <laughs> hey, Jim, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm fine, Mr. Hadley. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Royce. Oh, yeah, Royce. Oh, you, you think I'm a lead? I mean, can I honest to goodness, and I'm serious. Hey, I man, Royce scared me, man. R R Royce, is, Royce is intense. And due, due to his intensity, he actually scared me because if he's in the studio like everybody else, I'm sorry, Jay, I got to call in sick. <laughs> well, you do. I'm going to say, you know, I would say this. I haven't said this in front of Royce. I haven't started cracking jokes on Royce yet. But you know Royce... Uh, lost his first MMA fight, and I ain't brought it up to him yet. 
I bet you won't bring it up when he's in studio. Remember when he said he's going to be the heavyweight champion? Stop, man. <laughs> I didn't say that. Come on, can we? I almost said something. Did you hear that new sponsor? We got Keeps. Yeah. I think Royce may need some. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Hey, Corey, ain't Jason always swore that that was his real hair and he wasn't using nothing else on it? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you saying the keeps work, huh? You gonna keeps it, huh? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's get going, man. All right. Let's do, yeah. Let's get out of here. Uh, Chamath, can you say the last name, Jim? Paula. Uh, Paula Chamath. Chamath uh, Apollops. Yeah. Uh, the partial owner of the Golden State Warriors. He's our approval rating today. Job performance. I'm going to go high on job performance. He's a woke warrior living out in the Bay Area, and he's right on message being woke and fitting in with the, the Bay Area and the whole Golden State. Steve Kerr, I'm sure, loves him. Uh, so I'll give him a 22 in job performance. The man is worth 1.2 billion dollars. Mm. He's on the Forbes list. Okay, I don't know. He ain't up there, but I gave him a 25. I'm sorry, um, man. He, that kind of money, you got to give him the 25? Yeah. Character, I think he's low character to no character. He did issue an apology. That's why I gave him a two as it relates to character. When you, the man's worth $2 billion and he apologized. You don't find too many billionaires to issue out apologies. Mm. I'm going to give him credit for apologizing. Thurston and plus, the third used to apologize on Gilligan's Island. Oh, God. Look, man. <laughs> Jesus. I, I was more of a Mary Ann person. Oh. But actually, I just always got that dude. I don't know. I, I, I kind of get him. This is how I could have got that work. <laughs> <laughs> Does Corey do we keep know Gilligan's Island? Yes. I'm oh, oh, I'm sorry. How do you, Corey, <laughs> Corey's barely 18. Like, yeah, I know Gilligan's Island. I watched the other. <laughs> I remember when Eddie Haskell used to come over there. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, authenticity, uh, I think he's pretty authentic. I mean, he's stuck it out there, so I'll give Chamath a, a 23 in authenticity. I'm going to give him a 25. Well, Chamath, Chamath, he gives a whole new meaning to the term AA. He's what we call an authentic asshole. <laughs> he's a rich jerk. Okay, <laughs> That is true. Uh, it factor. I got him, you know, 21. He's worth a billion bucks. So. I mean, got him at 12. He's worth a billion bucks, so uh, I got to give him some it factor. You stand I give him a 21. Yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever that is, he got a whole lot of it. <laughs> Let me put it to you like this. Jason, that man is worth 2.1 billion. I thought you said 1.2 billion. Well, 1.2 billion. Yeah. You're worth 1.2 million, and you don't care, so why the hell should he care? <laughs> I hope I'm worth more than that. I better go check. <laughs> See what I mean? This dude. Wait, wait a minute. What did you say? I forgot. Oh, I forgot. When, I, when I'm standing on my W-2s, people think I'm a porn star. <laughs> Jason Jeremy. That's what I <laughs> Jason Jeremy and Jimmy Wad coming to the studio near you. All right, overall 50. Did we put up the overall scores? Jimmy's got him at blazing hot. I got him candlelit. That's good. You know, Tamara texted me last night. I was very pleased about that. We texted back and forth. Hmm. I think she's back speaking to me again. Oh, so the restraining order is off now? Yeah. yeah it's, it's only 30 days. It was only 30 days. <laughs> Wasn't forever. It was just 30 days. Well. I doggone it. Uh, what's that? What's that chicken called? <laughs> chicken for the soul. Truffle chicken for everybody. Oh, truffle chicken. Yeah. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.
for the right sign Looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of free These words are our religion Our regrets and our decisions We all want to go to heaven with freedom It's my obligation No hate, discrimination Raising up your hands for freedom Raise up your hands for freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want 